everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So in a second, in a minute, I'm going to ask randomly, in, in just a second, so just hang tight, I'm going to ask a couple people randomly in the room, so be glad that you didn't show up to church today, uh, to share your faith story, to share your faith story. Okay, so just in a minute, I'll ask just randomly some people to share your faith story. Okay, but before we do that, uh, we're talking about koinonia. Uh, koinonia, the idea of koinonia is the idea of sharing within a common community uh, or a fellowship. And so uh, we, it's, it's, that's the idea of sharing uh, our, you know, our time, energy, resources, our stories, sharing within a common community, uh, being in fellowship with one another. It's just this deep-rooted thing. And we talked about how like oftentimes when it comes to relationships, you know, it starts out great, honeymoon hill, this is fun. And then over time, the letdown, and then, then you walk into sort of reality valley, right? In relationships. You sort of find yourself in Reality Valley, and it's easy for us to want to quit and to give up on relationships and give up on community and give up on church and because we're sort of like, we realize like, hey, the pastor, like in a second, he's going to make me share my testimony maybe. And so, um, so you're like, I, I'm never coming back here. And so um, you then, then what you realize, what you have to realize is, is that in order for us to get to Marvelous Mountain. And, and, and oftentimes we have a tendency to want to go back to Honeymoon Hill. We want to just keep reliving Honeymoon Hill and that just never works. It never works, okay? Because you always just find yourself back down into Reality Valley. You gotta, you gotta serve. You gotta serve one another. You gotta love one another. Jesus said, I, a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You serve, and, that's, and Jesus set the example through sacrifice, being selfless, and then you ultimately have self-discovery, and you have to, you'll find yourself in a community that is beautiful, and it's, even though it's not perfect, even though it's not what you, you know, everything you can imagine it would be, but it was, it, it's beautiful in, in, in the way that God designed it and God created it. And so that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're going for, okay? So there's some things that make people nervous. There's some things that make people nervous. Is anyone nervous right now? When I said, when I said, in a minute, I'm gonna randomly pick a couple of you to share your story, you should have saw your faces. Everybody was like, He better not pick me. He better not pick me. So the first thing that makes people nervous is public speaking, right? Public speaking. You know, so this is the first thing. So, all right. So good news, good news. I'm not going to have you share your testimony. But what I am going to do is I'm going to talk about how you can share your stuff, okay? So the second thing that makes people nervous is pastors preaching about generosity, so I wanted to like really make you nervous at first, and then you realize, okay, good, whew, what a relief, and then drop on you that I'm going to talk about your stuff today, and hopefully that made you feel a little better. Okay, I guess not. All right, so, so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians, and so this, again, this is about koinonia, and, and anytime we talk about koinonia, and especially when we talked about the church, you know, a few weeks ago, it was a lot of sharing. There was a lot of sharing of time and energy and resources and, and money and all the things that, that they share. They pull the resources together. It was, it was, I could go, we could go on and on and on and talk about all the opportunities that the church did in order for them to be a blessing, to meet needs, to love others by the way that they shared their resources. So the context 
context of, of this is we talked about, uh, you know, the church in Corinth last week. If you're, if you're um, tuning in, uh, we talked about that church and we said, hey, this is a church that was really messy. Uh, they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of issues. If you ever say, hey, I wish my church was more like the church of Corinth, you know, you're like, you're making a huge mistake. You're not reading the Bible correctly, okay? Because the church had a lot of, a lot of issues. So, so Paul's now writing his second letter to the church of Corinth. Really, it's actually his third letter, but we don't have that. Uh, the first letter, we just only have the, the second letter, and then this is, a, again, none of this matters. So this is the second Corinthians. So in, 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 for all we need to know, this is his second letter to the church in Corinth. And, he, and this is within his um, context of saying, hey, listen, there's still um, a famine happening in Jerusalem. So what he's telling them, and, it, and Paul spent a lot of time on his, on his journey um, trying to raise money for the mother church in Jerusalem as they were going through this very, very difficult time, this very, very difficult season. And, and during this, this famine, there was a lot of, a lot of poverty. Uh, there was a lot of impoverished people uh, in Jerusalem. And so Paul is trying to help the church in, in, in Jerusalem raise a little money and, so that they can then meet the needs. That's ultimately what they were trying to do. They were trying, he was trying, taking a collection. Um, and oftentimes he would go to um, Gentile churches. So he would, he would ask the Gentiles uh, to give and to support the mother church, which was pr- predominantly Jewish, uh, to, pr- to support them so that they can, in their community, so they can meet needs. That was ultimately what he was wanting them to do, that they could still be, you know, light in that community and they can, you know, meet the needs that people had in their community. And so, so Paul would go around to these Gentile churches and he would raise money for them. So the first letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, he, he told them about the situation that was happening in Jerusalem and, and you know, asked them and encouraged them to set some money aside in order for them to be able to contribute to that cause so that, so that the church in Jerusalem could be effective, so that the church in Jerusalem can be the church and so that they can pull, you know, pool together the resources in the, in the big C church and they can meet needs of people. That's really what it was all about. So that's the context of this um, portion of the second letter to the church in Corinth. And here's what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. So the churches of Macedonia are things like, you know, Philippi, uh, Thessalonica, Berea. So these are these were uh, m- multiple churches in the area of Macedonia, and uh, he uses he says, "I just want to make known to you the, what the grace of God is doing within those Gentile churches, Berea, Philippi, Mas- you know, Th- Thessalonica." And we actually have in our New Testament we have letters written to those churches, First and Second Thessalonians, right? The Book of Philippians. These are these were letters written to these churches in Macedonia, and so then he says this in verse two. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality, or another word, a way to say that is generosity. So here's the way that the Apostle Paul is describing these churches in Macedonia. He's describing them as afflicted, yet they still have abundance of joy. He describes them as in poverty, yet they are generous. 
And so the reason why they were afflicted and the reason why they were in poverty was because of they were being persecuted. They were being persecuted for being Jesus followers and, and people were robbing them of their money, taking away their homes. I mean, talk about how hard it was at this time to be a Christian. Yet, yet they still had abundance of joy, even though they had a great ordeal of affliction. And they still were very generous, even though they were living in poverty. Verse 3, for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, he says, not only according to their ability, but beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily. They gave voluntarily. Then he says this, look what he says in verse 4, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. So he, I don't know about you, but I've never in my 20 plus years of ministry, I've never had anybody say, hey, can I participate in generous giving? I've never, I've never, hey, can, can you, can you, pastor, do you mind, can you preach on giving like, can you do a series on generosity? Like, I've never heard anybody come up to me and say, like, I hear things like, hey, can you t preach about marriage? Hey, can you preach about how to deal with hardships and trials and tribulations in this life? Like, can you preach about, well, this, is, this is one that people like to ask me to preach about. Can you preach about prophecy and end times? Can you preach about how God loves me so much? Can you just talk about how much God loves me so much? Listen, I've heard, but oftentimes it's, it's very rare. May, I shouldn't say never, but it's very rare that I hear people say, hey, I beg me, urge me, you know, to, to, and, and for favor to participate in the support of the saints. So here in their poverty, in their affliction, they wanted to give. They wanted to support. They wanted to be a part of something. They were already a part of a community and they wanted to just support that. They wanted to make sure that, that those needs that they had in their community were taken care of. And so this is, what, this is the context and this is what is happening. So he's telling this church in Corinth, hey, guys, come on. Let's, let's do this. You know what the churches in Macedonia are doing? Let us, let's do this in Corinth. Because Corinth, man, they were rich. They were a rich city. You were well off if you lived in Corinth. You had a lot of wealth, a lot of resources. And Paul is just urging this church, guys, guys, come on. You see what they're happening in Macedonia? You see their generosity, even in their afflictions, even in their hardships? They gave according to what they had the ability to give and even beyond their ability. And they were even begging us. They were urging us to be, participate in the support of the brothers and sisters, support of the saints. So how does this kind of generosity happen? How does this kind of generosity happen? I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> I'm so glad. I, I could tell it's in your ring, ringing in your head. Like, how, how does that kind of generosity happen? Well, first thing is, generosity happens when we participate according to our ability. You just participate according to your ability. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. In this room, 
uh, in this world, you know, you know, you know. Not everybody has the same ability to give and to, to participate when it comes to generosity as, as somebody else. You don't have the means as somebody else does. You don't have the ability to give as much as somebody else does. And that's okay. That's okay. Because here's what we know from the talents. The talents that, the, uh, that Jesus taught was, hey, some are given five talents, right, which is, which is money, which is wealth. Some are giving five talents, some are given two talents, and some are given one talent. And it wasn't about, you know, the amount of talents that they had. It was about what they did, what they did according to the ability that they had with their talent. And here's the thing. Generosity happens when whatever you have, whatever you have the ability to give, that you just simply participate, that you just simply participate. Um, speaking of talent or lack thereof, I am terrible at golf. I'm a terrible golfer, okay? I'm just not a good golfer. I just haven't played much in, in, in my time. So, but I, I, was, I remember um, I was running a golf outing fundraiser uh, for a missions trip, and there was a team that showed up. Um, they were a pretty good team, but they were missing their fourth, their, their, their fourth player. So they're like, Pastor, do you want to come play with us? I'm like, no. But they're like, well, we need a fourth. I'm like, all right, but I'm terrible. And they're like, we don't care. It doesn't matter. So luckily, luckily, in that tournament, you just, you just play the best ball. So all four of your players hit, and you just play the best ball, okay? So we played 18 holes of golf, okay? Four players on my team. They may have used my shot once, maybe, maybe. But we won, we won. And listen, it had nothing to do with me other than this one time that I hit a good shot, luckily. Like, I luckily putted something in the hole or something along the line. They're like, we're going to use his shot, right? Listen, it doesn't matter how much ability you have. It doesn't matter how much ability you have. We are in community. We are in koinonia. We are in a, 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 you know, a, a fellowship, and the fellowship is, listen, each one has a certain ability to give. And just, just like me in this golf outing, participate. Just participate according to your ability. Here's what Deuteronomy 16, 17 says. Everyone shall give as he is able in accordance with the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you, which he has given you. So participate. We don't want to be like this rich man that Jesus describes. This is what we don't want to be, okay? And this is what we don't want to be called. Here's what Jesus says, describes a man in Luke 12. He says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. Next verse. And he began thinking to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? He says this, and he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods there. Next verse. And I will say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years to come. Relax, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Or King James Version, eat, drink, and be merry. Right? Eat, drink, and be merry. Next verse. But God said to him, hold on, hold on, hold on. What do you think God said to him? 
Yeah, you earned it. You had all, you were productive. You were hardworking. You, you just, you know, did, put in the work. You're a self-made man. Like you store, you tear down those smaller barns and you build those bigger barns and you live off of that and you eat and you drink and you be merry. No, you already know. What did he say? You fool. Whoa, Jesus, settle down, man. Like, this doesn't sound like, like, Jesus is like, you fool. Then he says this, this, this very night, your soul is demanded of you. In other words, tonight you're dying. And as for all that you have prepared, who will own it now? Verse 21, such is the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich in relation to God. You know what Paul wrote to Timothy? Hey, tell those rich people in your church to give generously. Give generously so that they can be, and here's what he says next, this is so important, so that they can be rich in God, to be rich in God. And so you could participate according to your ability, because that's what generous people do. Verse, back to 2 Corinthians. And this, and this, not as we have expected, but they first gave, this is so important, they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. You know why they were so generous? You know why they were so generous? Because they first gave themselves to God. They first said, God, this is your life. This is not my life. You see, because generosity happens when my gives way to thy. Right? When, when, we, say, when we stop saying, my will, my stuff, my things, my money. And your generosity will happen when we say, you know what? It's not my, but it's thy, right? It's not my will be done, but it's thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, right? So it, it, when it comes to generosity and it, when it comes to being rich in the things of God, it's saying, listen, I'm moving my resources. I'm moving my stuff according to my ability. That's important to, to hear. According to my ability, I'm moving my money out of my kingdom and into thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, because God... God doesn't want the money in your hand. He wants the motivation of your heart. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And an open heart cannot maintain a closed hand. And the reason why Jesus would say this is so important for all of us, so important for me and for you. Listen, listen, this is so important. Because money is never the issue Mastery is the issue. And Jesus knows what you already know. That if we're not careful, if we're not careful, 
that our stuff, our money, our possessions, our things, they will master us. They will control us. They will own us, and you don't own it. Because money, it's never the issue. It's not about the money. Money isn't the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Don't let it become your master. And Jesus said it this way. He said this, Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, it's his. It's his. And where your treasure, what you place as the most valuable thing, the most important thing, that's where your heart will be. That's where your heart will go. The thing that you lock in, the thing that you love, your heart will follow that. And that will become the Lord of your life. And Paul, in this first letter to the church of Corinth, said this. He says, for the, for the earth is the Lord's in all that it contains. The earth is the Lord in all that it contains. It's his. It's his. It's his. Nothing that you have or I have is really mine. It's his. You know what my kids, my kids, um, I talk about my kids a lot, and I dog on my kids a lot. My kids are really um, stingy with their own money. Is this true for your kids? Is it? And here's, here's the thing, like, so oftentimes, like, um, my wife and I don't carry cash around. We don't have cash. And so we, whenever we need cash, and oftentimes we need cash for something to do with my kids' things, we have to go to our kids and say, can I have some cash so that I can pay for your thing? And then they'll say to me, well, are you going to pay me back? You ever, ever deal with this? Can I have, listen to one of the statement. Can I borrow your cash to pay for your thing? Well, are you going to pay me back? Right, right, right. So they're, they're really stingy when it comes to things that they think is theirs. You know when they're really generous? They're really generous when they are given money that isn't theirs. They're super liberal with that. They're very generous with that, right? This is the mindset that we get. When we think it's mine, when we think it's mine, we get stingy. We get stingy. But when we realize or we come to the conclusion that it's actually not mine, because isn't it true as a parent or a grandparent, when your kids, especially when they're younger and they don't have money of their own, you have to like, when they say, what do you want for your birthday or what do you want for Christmas? You have to ask yourself, how generous do I want to be with me? Because it's not, they're not paying for it. My wife is taking them shopping, using my money to buy me a present. So I have to think, how generous do I want to be with me? And so... Oftentimes, we get into that mindset. If we think it's mine, we get real stingy. But when we remember, when we remember, uh, it's not mine, it's thine, then we get generous because it's 
not yours. And for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. It's his. I'm sorry to tell you, I know you're self-made man, pull yourself out of your bootstraps, you built that company, your, your intelligence, your wit, your strength, your will, your determination. I know, I know, I get it, I get it. You only have what you have because God graced you with it. And oftentimes we look at others and we're like, how do they get five talents? And I only got two talents. Well, I'm glad I don't have one talent, but I got, how come I don't have five talents, right? And we start comparing and looking at others. And, all, and ultimately, we just got to come to the place where we go, it's not mine. The earth is the Lord's. And all it contains, it's his. It's his. So we got to get to a place when we get generous where my or mine gives way to thy or thine. God, it's yours. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Paul says this, I am not saying this as a command, which he can't. Paul can't say this as a command because only God can give commands. Only God can give commands. I'm not saying this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love as well. So what is, he, what is he saying? Here's what he's saying. Generosity happens when we see it as a new command measuring tape. Generosity happens when we see it as a new command. Paul's like, I'm not giving you a command, but Jesus did. Jesus did. And Jesus' new command was this, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you love people and you love people sacrificially and you love people selflessly. That's the way you love people. And as, a, as our generosity in our, with our money and our time and our resources, listen, Paul is saying and Jesus was saying, this is a measuring tape. This is a measuring tape. This is now week two of using a tape measure as an illustration, okay? So here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I know, I know. You think by demonstrating your faith or by following the new commandment of loving one another as I love you is by you listening to a Pastor Chris sermon. That's only about this much. That only takes about this much. Or, uh, you know, this is how I, my faith can be demonstrated by, you know, how much scripture I can memorize. It's about this much. It's about this much. Or, you know, how eloquent my prayer is about this much. About this much. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, listen, here's how, here's a great measuring tape. Here's a great rule of thumb when it comes to showing or demonstrating or in living out this new commandment. He says, by the way that you genuinely give and genuinely and generously give to one another. That's the measuring tape. This is the measuring tape that God is looking for. This is, he says, listen, here's how I know. Here's how I know your kind of faith. Here's how I know your kind of faith. 
because I know based on your generosity for one another. This is the new command measuring tape. John says it this way, another John 3.16, but, it, but it's, in, it's in 1 John 3.16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Verse 17. But whoever has worldly goods, I, I look, whoever has worldly goods and sees his brother or sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God remain in him? John is saying, listen, you know a great measuring tool for your faith? It's you being knowing that you have worldly goods, seeing a brother or sister in need, but you close your heart? James uses the same example, James, and James uses it to say, hey, listen, you know how I know that you have faith? You know how I know you have faith? I know you have faith because of your works. I know I can measure your faith based on your works. I can measure your faith based on your generosity. That you have worldly goods and you see a brother or sister in need and you don't close your heart against them, but instead you figure out how to love them and how to meet that need. Because that's what the love of God has done for you and me. He says, don't, 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 you, sh- you say you have faith? That's great. How are you demonstrating it? How are you showing it? How are you moving your stuff out of your little itty-bitty kingdom and into his kingdom? And this is the measure that John would say, and this is the me- measure that Jesus would say, and this is the measure that James would say of what it looks like to be generous. Goes on to say this, 2 Corinthians, back to 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So now Paul's going, listen, you wanna measure your generosity You want to measure your generosity? You measure your generosity to Jesus. You measure your generosity based on what Jesus has done for you and for me. And here's what I know. All of us have different stories in this room of how we came to faith. But all of us, all of us have the same testimony. All of us have the same testimony. And the testimony that all of us have is this, that you and I received a gift called grace. And the grace that was extended to us was the the grace that Jesus was once rich, but for your sake and for my sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich in God. That's all of our testimony in this room. It is only because of the grace of God that you have or I have what I have. And it's only because of the grace of God that in his willingness to humble himself and become obedient 
all the way obedient and humble to the point of death, even the death on a Roman cross. That he had all the riches in heaven. He had all of them at his disposal, but he left his rightful place in heaven to come to this earth so that he can say, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve one another and to give my life as a ransom to pay their debt for them. That's the gospel, and that's accessible and available to every single one of us, and that's what Jesus did. So he was rich. As a matter of fact, Paul describes his riches in, in Colossians. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, for by him, all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and in invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and, say it with me, for him. For him. Verse 17. He is before all things. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He goes on to say this. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. You know what deserves first place in your life? He does. He does. He deserves first. Nothing else. Not your things, not your stuff, not your money. He does. He does. Because he created everything Everything was made through him and everything was made for him and everything holds together by him. He was rich, but he became poor so that you and I can be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, don't store your treasures on this earth but instead store up treasures in heaven. Why? Because Jesus' framework was on eternity. Jesus had all the riches in the kingdom and he left it so he can come here and he can make a way for you and I to enter into his kingdom. And Jesus says, don't, come on, stay with me. Don't live for this life. Live for the kingdom that is to come. Because generosity happens when we see Jesus as the more that we are looking for. Have you noticed like 
any time that you get something new, that it makes you feel like a better person? Anybody ever feel, feel that way? There's something about our stuff, our money, that is almost feels spiritual. Like, for example, like I got some new shoes on, and they just, they just make me feel cool. Like, they make me feel like a better man. And the reality is, I just have new shoes on. Like, I'm no different. I just have new shoes. You ever get, like, like I remember, like, getting, uh, you know, uh, you know, getting a house in the area. Remember, like, going to the, you know, real estate office and signing all those paperwork? Remember all that, all those signatures that you had to sign, right? And you're like, I, I could have, like, I signed so many pages that I could have, like, sold off, like, my youngest son when he turns 10. They might come to my house and collect him. Like, I don't know what I signed. Like, I, it just, I just was signing, signing. And then you got the keys, right? And you're like, I feel like I accomplished something. No, I just in, in more debt, I'm just in more debt, but you feel like you accomplished something. And then you like, and then you like, then you like get into the house and you start putting your furniture in the house and you start moving your family in the house. And then you realize, I need more. I need more room. Have you ever had those urges? Like you just feel like you just have to get the latest and the greatest? Like my, my kids, they just got signed up to a, a new network. My kids and my nephews got signed up to a new network and they got brand new phones. And my, my kids are like, dad, okay, I'm, I've got this brand new phone. Dad, this time I will not break my screen. I'm gonna get screen protector. I'm gonna get the best case so that when it drops, if it does drop, it just bounces right back up to me. Like it's just gonna be, I'm just gonna make sure I get to take care of this thing because it's something, there's something about something new that it does something to us that makes us feel better. Makes us feel better. Listen, whatever it is that you think in this life that you need more of, like I need to know better, the greatest, the latest, the shinier, more of something. That's your spirit going, you just need more of Jesus. Because Jesus is the more that you're looking for. So when you feel the urge to shop on Amazon, like it's, like it's gonna go out of style or quit working tomorrow and or your multiple target runs. I'm sorry, too close to home. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm not trying to get too much into your business. Okay, okay. Listen, whatever it is that you feel inside that you think that you need more, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. As a matter of fact, in your Bibles, you'll, you'll find a, in a couple of the Gospels a story of a man. Here's the way he was described. Rich, young, and in charge. Doesn't that sound nice? Rich, young, and the boss. You're like, he's got everything that this life has to offer. He's got money, He's got his youthfulness. He doesn't need those creams. And he is the boss. <laughs> Nobody tells him what to do. He's in charge. But there was something about that man 
that even though he had this, he knew that there was something missing. And you know what Jesus told him? After he's like, well, if you do this commandment, do this commandment, do this commandment, do this commandment. He even, not only was he rich, young, and a ruler, but he was religious. I should have added that one. That would have been good. Just thought of that. He was rich, he was young, he was a ruler, and he was religious. But it wasn't enough. And Jesus said, hey, you sell everything you have and you come and you follow me. And you know what it says? It says the man went away sad because he was wealthy. At the end of our life, and we keep trying to strive for this, rich, young, ruler, religious, at the end of our life, you know all we need? We just need Jesus. Because he's the only one, come on, stay with me, he's the only one that can fill that void in your life. Not more of this life, more of Jesus. So Paul says, and I'm, I'm just gonna say, use Paul. I'm gonna give my opinion on what you should do. Okay, here's what he says. He literally says, I give my opinion. I, don't you love the Bible? You should read it. <laughs> I give my opinion in this matter. For this is to your advantage. Who were the first to begin a year ago? So Paul says, I started asking you for this a year ago. I started asking you to be generous a year ago. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Okay. Not only to do this, but also to desire, but also to desire to do it. Verse 11. But now finish doing it also. So that, so that just as there was the willingness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. Verse 12. For if the willingness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So Paul's like, listen, you give according to your ability, not what you don't have. Like, you don't need to be in poverty. Paul's like, oh, you don't live in poverty. You give based on what you have the ability to give. But what he's saying is, is listen, don't just desire to do it. Don't just desire to do it. Just do it. It's a great slogan. Somebody should use it. <laughs> Paul's opinion was, listen, you, you've been doing this for a year. You've been thinking about this for a year. You know, you know that you should be more generous. Don't let another year go by. And say, I really wanted to, but this came up. I really wish I would have, could have, but this. No, Paul's saying, listen, here's my opinion. Just do it based on any ability that you can to do it. That's what he's saying. Whatever your ability is, 
Just do that. Just do that. And that's a great place to start moving into generosity. Let's pray. Father, you are the most generous that we can even wrap our minds around. You gave us this guideline, an example by the fact that you loved us, that you gave your one and only son. Generosity is at your heart and I pray that generosity is at our heart. Father, us as a church in this fellowship, in this koinonia, meeting needs, caring for people, that's the heart of this. It's certainly not to make anyone here around here richer other than rich in God, other than rich in you, God. And you're after not our money. You're not trying to stick, stick your hands in our pockets. You're just, you're just wanting our hearts because you don't want us to be mastered and owned by anything, anything. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that we just start to do it based on whatever ability we have, to just, to just to be a participant, just to be able to share our resources with each other. So just like the church in Jerusalem could just, they could, so they, they could meet needs, they could care for people in our community. And God, we have, we have as a church, our, our church, you know, tremendous opportunity in these days ahead to really make an impact and to really meet needs of people in this community, in this community. So Father, I just pray you stir our hearts and God, that we just don't make it about a, a desire that we have, but we actually say, I'm gonna start to do it. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks everybody. So does anybody want to share their testimony, though? No? Okay, all right, all right.